Hey, good morning. It's Saturday. Saturday, and it was just 5.55. It's probably about 6 now in the morning, but 5.55. 81 degrees Fahrenheit, and my, it's just getting warmer. And I thought I better, better get Bud out for his morning walk now because it's going to do nothing but get warmer. And the sun is up, but there's still... It's still low enough in the sky that a lot of the places we're walking is in the shade. So, but I can see again, it's an Arizona blue sky and we can, I mean, we can see for miles and miles. There's a great song like that. I can see for miles and miles. So that is um, Arizona landscape. Um, we don't have every street lined with trees where you can't see more than 500 feet above the trees or so. So we're walking downhill now and uh, I'm looking at the Estrella Mountains. The sun's lit them up, looking pretty. And yet we're still in the shade. So 81 degree Fahrenheit, 25% humidity. And I was like, ooh, 25%. That is uh, high for us. And I ran it through the dew point calculator. I got an app on my phone so I can put the temperature in, put the humidity, and it'll calculate the dew point temperature, which is still low. I was surprised. It's 41 degrees in the dew point, which is only about 10 degrees warmer than than uh, a 110 7% humidity day, which we'll probably head up towards today. It's going to be, a, it was 110 yesterday. It'll probably be 109, 110, 111. Let me take a, let's see if I can take a peek at that while we're online here. So what do we got for weather today? It says it's going to be 107, a mere 107. And then later this uh, week we'll be back up to 109. And uh, yeah, those, we haven't hit the 112s and 115s. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we won't hit those this year. Usually in June about this time is peak temperature and then it just gets a little bit more miserable in July with the humidity and uh, there you go and you get kind of tired of it but so far this year I'm not quite tired with it maybe the podcast helps maybe everybody in Arizona should do a podcast and walk their dog <laughs> I see a dog off in the distance buddy hasn't spotted him yet but morning walks are better because everything's lit up I can see well Night walks are dark. Can't see the rabbits or the toads because Buddy spots them first and then yanks me over to try to catch a rabbit toad. What else? It's Saturday morning. We're up. Had a cup of coffee. I'm going to go back and do my routine. I was uh, in Ephesians 1 yesterday. I'll be in Ephesians 2. Um, so, yeah, I love the, this, this method. Because Romans is a famous book. And, and again, this, is, this gets back to, I, I'm convinced that as well-meaning teachers and pastors are, they'll, they'll just throw out facts like saying, well, this is Romans and it's theology and Paul writing to the letter of Romans. And there, there's some, when, when you just do it on your own, and don't don't let anyone influence you. Just read it, and and make up your own mind. Look, and, and it's not that there's, I don't really see like tons of controversial stuff in there, but you see stuff that means something to you, you know. And really, that these things were read, and Paul wrote these things, and I, I know from reading it that he doesn't think that what he's writing is quote unquote the inspired word of God and inerrant. He's just writing. And I, I mean, there's a couple places where it's really funny where he says, I'm not lying. <laughs> well, if he really thought it was the inspired word of God, Paul himself would not write, I'm not lying. He would say, no, this is the inerrant word of God that I am writing to you with my pen. And I had some magical experience that makes me the smartest apostle 
the smartest guy, and I'm telling you from the lips of God to my ears, to my pen, this is the inerrant word of God. But no, he says, uh, I'm not lying. <laughs> so he wrote and he wrote and and now we look the, the today's professors and hoity-toity seminarians look back and quote these verses I call it verse plucking they really have an agenda and they fit this stuff into their agenda whatever it happens to be and uh, so that's what they do on the end of the book of Romans is one of my favorite things that dawned on me as I did this rather disciplined approach. Um, Paul's like, he's, he's hanging out in, he's been hanging out in Ephesus, which is today's Turkey, up in um, northern Greece. Um, I think that's Philippi, Thessalonica, places like that, down in Athens. He did the, my favorite, one of my favorite passages is I think it's Acts 17 or 18 where Paul gets chased out of Thessalonica and he's on his own. He's kind of hanging out in Athens, touring around and uh, uh, some guys are, I think he was preaching and teaching and then they go, hey guy, hey Paul, hey, we, you, you don't have to preach out here on the street by your lonesome just anywhere. We, we have a special place for this. <laughs> it's called the Areopagus, and you, and you really have to practice saying that. I think it took me about 20 times to let that baby flow off your tongue. Um, and I kind of like it. It has a nice ring to it, right? Areopagus. And on one of my previous ventures into podcasting, we, uh, we had code names called uh, uh, The Colonel, which was General, or no, The General, General Lee because he's a South Carolinian pro, pro of the South, and he feels like the South gets a bad rap. <laughs> so he's General Lee. I'm a Yankee. But my, my code name was Saguaro Joe because I lived out here in the desert, Saguaro. Another tough one. you got to practice that, baby. If you see it written, it's S-A-G-U-A-R-O, Saguaro, Sag. You want to get that G in there, but it's not G. It's just Saguaro. So there's your pronunciation lesson for the day. Areopagus, Saguaro. Where was it? Romans. So, so Paul's in that area, Corinth. And he, in, a, in the Roman Empire is the dominant um, culture, dominant political power, right, at the time. They were all over that area. So they're like kind of similar to the U.S. today, but not really because they actually ruled over all these lands and the USA doesn't really do that but we're still the superpower and uh, so Rome is the happening place where travelers go out maybe I, I have this I had this thought that essentially there must have been a lot of traffic right so they don't have cell phones, smartphones, they don't have cars, they don't have trains, they, they have great Roman roads to they build an infrastructure, a network of roads, and, and it and enabled commerce, and they would, uh, Romans would send out people into the far-flung lands and bring back um, food and interesting food, unique items and artwork and People were doing that for merchandising, for sailing, selling, and just trade, things like that. And um, so Romans were all over the, the, the world at that time, the known world. And so everyone looked up to Rome, like maybe today looks up to London or Washington, D.C. or New York City. And there's really no comparison to probably Rome, but... Uh, Today, but you, know, you get the the point is the main power center of the world was Rome, and um, uh, where are we going? So he writes a letter to Rome, and there's the, the 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 faith, the Christian faith, has gone to Rome, and you see in the last chapter of Romans how Paul 
his thinking. He, he wants to um, go where, he's probably the first Trekkie, right? To go where no man has gone before. Some, some bikers are coming across and Bud wants to walk across. Morning. So, yeah, so, so the Apostle Paul is the first Captain Kirk. Wow, I think I just came up with that one because he, he wants to go where no man has gone before. So that's uh, my interpretation on Paul's chapter 16 where he wants to go to Spain. He's going to stop off at Rome, not because he feels like he needs to preach the gospel in Rome, but he knows there's Christians there, and he, he makes comments quite often that he doesn't want to build on someone else's foundation and that he's real proud of his own foundation in a boastful way, of a, not on himself, but that God, he recognizes that God and the Holy Spirit has worked through him to create these churches or bring the faith to Gentiles, and he sees it, and he, he talks about his gospel, my gospel, and that there's other people coming in they see an opportunity, right? It's, you know, maybe that's, we still have that today. These organized, organized, organized religions see an opportunity to build some organization as opposed to going where no man has been before. And then you get into your unreached people groups. Where are the uh, Captain Kirks? And uh, the Captain Kirks of Captain Kirk's of Christ. How about that? Um, they go where no man has been before. And you've, I analyzed, like, I, my very first missionary conference was way back in 79. So that's coming up on 40 years, folks. 40 years. And I think there were like 6,000 unreached people groups in 79. I haven't done the full research on that. But even if we say 8,000, and I think they're down to like six now. So in 40 years, 20 missionary organizations of some kind have gone to those groups. But I would hypothesize that several, several more thousands have gone to where the gospel's already been. And I think I mentioned this on a panel. I love these guys. I saw a tweet one time like, I'm graduating seminary and I really, you know, I know Europe is dead spiritually, which is so bogus. Um, and so I want to go to Western Europe and be a missionary. And again, it's like, who wouldn't, you know? I mean, if you went to Southeastern Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, I guess it's called. If you went there, the president's like, oh, no drinking wine. But you're going to go to Tuscany with your three or four years of training about not drinking wine to a culture that essentially was founded on wine. So that makes very little sense. And so I'm sure those people fit in like like uh, naturals, right? <laughs> That's sarcasm. So the whole concept of these missionary groups, I think they just make, again, it's agenda. You make up your mind and justify it. It's, it's decide, oh yeah, it's the great marketing phrase. People decide in their heart and justify with their minds. So unfortunately, that applies to Christian missionaries too. I've decided in my heart I want to go to Tuscany and bring the gospel to those people. So yeah, so justify it in your mind. Go ahead. <laughs> my, my mind says that's stupid. So anyways, but I'm not, I'm not trying to be right because I still love those people and they'll be on their journey and they'll, they'll learn eventually. But that uber confidence, overconfidence that some display is rather amazing. But maybe that comes with age and wisdom. Maybe I'm actually getting some. I still think like a child, <laughs> which, which isn't good because Paul said he used to think like a child. I probably still think like one. But I think that's okay, too, because I can justify that in my mind, right? Let's, let's practice this principle. Jesus said, let the little children come to me, and you've got to think like a child, have faith like a child. So there you go. I'm with Jesus on this one, not Paul. So, oh, there's a big disagreement in the Bible. Oh, my gosh. Nah. Think about it. 
And that's walking the spirit, my self-made Latin structure construct. I actually paid some Latin guy online 15 bucks to check this out, but you know, you get what you pay for, but it's spiritu ambulanto, ambulatio, ambulatio. So again, that's like Areopagus and Saworo. I'll have to work on pronouncing that. Spiritu ambulatio, which is walking in the spirit. So God is alive and he's living and he's out with us walking. We're, Buddy and I are walking in God's presence here in the desert that's going to become smoking hot in a few hours due to his creation. And he's not making us pay for it by burning us out here in the desert. We decided to move here. We have air conditioning, a wonderful thermodynamic engineering invention, which is fantastic, a fantastic invention. And we enjoy swimming pools with pumps and Oh, it's all just wonderful stuff that we've created. Because God's creative, right? So let's celebrate that, people. We, there's so much separation of church and life, maybe. Instead of church and state. <laughs> Man, I can come up with some funny ones. Separation of church and life. <laughs> so that's kind of my disdain for many churches. But let's look at it at a distribution curve, right? Distribution curve. There's some really poor churches out there and there's probably some really good ones so let's look for our outlier organizations and people to hang out with however we do that so where was i then i was in romans 16. so back to romans 16. i love that passage because paul is talking about how he's looking forward to going to rome and <clears throat> stopping off in rome on the way to spain because he's going to go to new places again, back to the Captain Kirk. And uh, so he doesn't realize, he does kind of allude to, he's like, I'm going back to Jerusalem and I'm going to bring a collection for the poor and do some things. But something was going on and I don't, I have to research it. I don't know what it is yet. But he, he had an indication, he kind of knew that his return to Jerusalem was a bit dicey. There's a good UK expression dicey. It was a bit dicey for him. Thanks, UK. So dicey is a word. It means kind of dangerous, but kind of not so dangerous. I'm not sure. Dicey. Difficult. Um, so again, then people throw out these expressions as if we know them, like spot on. Oh, wow. Spot on. So we don't, most Americans, we don't, I don't even know what the origin of that is. I just know it's a UK thing. Spot on, baby along with, at the end of the day, which is not an American expression, but in wide use. And uh, that can be a subject of another podcast. Um, so Paul's saying he, he's pretty confident that he's going to go to Spain and be in Rome, and it'll probably happen soon. And, uh, and he also some of this comes on to all the greetings he talks about, like greet this and greet this person at the end of the chapter. And he has a whole list of people that he's greeting. And I'm thinking, hmm, that's interesting. This transportation is not a easy thing at that time. So if he's, you know, he's writing this letter to Rome, I mean, that's what we all think. And it's to a physical, the physical location, Rome. And it's pretty far away. And he'll probably give it to somebody that's actually going to Rome to the people. And, um, and yet he's saying, greet all these people, which like Priscilla and Aquila, I think are in Ephesus and they're Jews and they have their own great story. And I don't think those, all the people he's saying greet are actually going to Rome. So there's like, what's Paul talking about? How can they greet them if they're so far away? So, uh, morning. Oh, come on, buddy. And uh, so he's going to greet, greet these people. Maybe he's, I don't, I don't think he's just being polite, but he probably thinks there is a possibility that whoever he's writing to is going to meet these people. So again, that gets down to the travelers 
There must have been Roman people traveling through. And I'm sure some genius guy thought about this already. But, you know, you can discover this stuff on your own. There's no rush. It's like you don't have to read someone like 1890s theologian dude figure this out. I just figured it out for myself. And what am I going to do with it? Well, I'm going to think about it. It's like, well, that's the, the time. And Paul thought he was going to be there soon. And again, I'm, I'm wrapping this around to inerrancy of Scripture and inspiration. God knew what was going to happen. Our theology doctrine says God knew that Paul was going to get arrested in Jerusalem. And he did. And he was in jail with, I believe it was Felix first for two years, and then two years with Festus, or either two years with Festus and then two years with Felix. They were trying to kill him and all this good stuff. So Paul ended up getting to Rome, but it wasn't anything like he thought. <laughs> so he actually got on a ship, and that ship almost went down like Jonah. And it did shipwreck, and eventually he does get to um, Rome, but as a prisoner. Which leads me into the next book, which is Ephesians, which I just started yesterday, Ephesians 1, because I'm reading these things in the best I can tell chronological order. So they all, seminarians, will say, oh yeah, the prison epistles. Well, let's think about the significance. So you got Romans, it's just really uh, has a lot of great theological doctrinal concepts, and some people say it's a systematic theology. Well, I, again, let's read, let's remember the guy's writing letters, and he doesn't even think it's some kind of pontificating thing. It's just him writing. And he's already kind of beat up on the Corinthians because he had a bad experience there with them. Well, not even a bad. He actually had a great experience with them, but there's just this few knuckleheads he had to kind of set straight. So he did. And um, one of my other themes is that, personal themes in my spiritual views, is that the church doesn't praise the people sitting in their pews enough. I mean, Paul, even though he beats up on the Corinthians, he, he praises them for their faith and love for one another. So we should be encouraged to believe God, walk in his presence, walk in the spirit, and love one another. Isn't that a great thing? So every Sunday, that's what we should do. But sometimes these guys love to admonish, exhort, you know. And to me, it's more like, it's not so much admonish and exhorting. It's more, hey, this is my agenda, and you should line up with my agenda. So whatever. I don't want to go into that too much. But So now, Paul's had, this is what I don't think teachers talk about. They verse pluck out of Ephesians. They come out of talk about how great Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is, which sure it is, but let's remember that what's happened. So Paul, last writing, and if you're a writer, you might get into this. So you, so Paul's, apparently his last writing that we know of is Romans. He goes to Jerusalem, he gets arrested, he gets thrown in jail, he's been there four years, he finally gets out, he's had all these great experiences, which you can read in the book of Acts, right? He's, uh, he's shipwrecked on his way to Rome. He gets to Rome, so it's probably five years since he's written anything that goes into the future canon of Scripture that we call it. And it's the book of Ephesians, more than likely, right? So now I start reading Ephesians, and it comes with a little different view. It's like, this guy's had a five-year break from anything he wrote before. And uh, I don't think people really point that out or you know, appreciate that. But you, and, and you kind of—that's why I like about my my methods here of the my madness, because I've gone through this cycle. I don't know, probably five times now. I don't know. I'll keep going. I'm going to keep doing it. I enjoy it. And so, this is something that didn't show up the first time I read through these things. So, it's just repeating and 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 thinking about Paul and the way he writes. So I'm kind of like I'm conceding to the powers that be that the scriptures we have are inspired, inerrant word of God. And I'm not questioning that at all. I'm just like, well, there's some nuance. <laughs> That's a great word. Some nuance, which I have no idea what that word is in German or French. 
but an English speaker will go, okay, I get it, nuance, nuance. I'll accept, I'll accept what Michael's saying here, nuance. And what does it really mean, right? So to me, it means it's not so black and white, right? Things aren't inerrant because if, I, if you take the black and white approach, you, I would have to question why would God inspire Paul to write something that's not going to happen, which is this easy Mediterranean cruise from Jerusalem to Rome and sitting on the top deck in first class, you know, for Paul on the way to Rome. That's not how it happened. He was a prisoner. So anyway, um, so now we're in Ephesians. It's been four or five years since Paul wrote something that I guess we would say is significant. He might have written things. He did some interesting things in prison even. Lots of cool things happened while he, since the time he wrote Romans to the time he wrote Ephesians. Some really cool stuff happened. And it's recorded in the book of Acts. So uh, um, some amazing things happened. So now Ephesians turns out is a, kind of a special church in Turkey for, for Paul and in his mind. So he writes this letter to them and he didn't go to the city on his way back from Greece to Jerusalem. He, the, in Acts, you see that he met them outside the city and he didn't want to hang out. And they, even the Ephesians were warning Paul about his capture. And then even a prophet, when he gets to Israel, a prophet comes down from Jerusalem and tells Paul that he's going to get arrested or good likelihood. The Holy Spirit told him that. And that's also an Acts. That's also a fascinating concept, right? So, and it's probably a good backbone for all of us too. My, I mean, my, one of my desires is that all believers are be transformed, of course. But what does that mean to be transformed? To me, it's about this confidence. And and you see Paul, so confident. It's not like he's challenging the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit might tell those people, hey, tell Paul that he's probably going to get thrown in jail. And Paul's not dismissing it and blowing it off. And he has the same Holy Spirit. And he feels like, well, if I get arrested, fine, I'm going. And yet, what is that? It's complex, right? There's that nuance, right? So the Holy Spirit told these people to warn Paul about going but it was so again some of us may think we're right about stuff i love being right right <laughs> i'm the mo I'm, I'm right about everything you know so that's because i'm i'm gaining that confidence that <laughs> i want you all to have so everybody think that they're right be confident but just don't be obnoxious about it yeah right i mean so you you listen into this podcast this is the the non-obnoxious being right podcast. So you can be right, be right, but love people and and uh, don't be nasty about it. And uh, so we went on a little longer walk today. So this might might be a longer podcast, but I'm not getting feedback, and I'm, which is probably a good thing because I'm probably getting people who probably say, "Dude, this is way too long." And again, if you don't like it too long, you don't have to listen to it. And it's 2x, so this is my processing of thoughts, which are actually kind of helpful. I mean, I'm thinking about some complex things. So remember, I'm back. I really like this idea, and uh, oh, I hate that word, unpack it, right? Do you just hopefully a lot of you guys on there's all these words that not all, but there's several phrases that get come into the culture of Christianity and unpacking things, right? Let's unpack this. Well, I don't know. It's a fancy way or a new way of saying, let's think about it or let's go a little deeper, so to speak. So going deeper was probably the previous version. And then someone had a vision of a suitcase that they wanted to unpack and take their underwear out first and their socks. Unpack their suitcase. And then they're, well, no, usually you put your nice shirts on top of the suitcase right let's unpack this unpack it unpack it so we're going to unpack 
the fact, unpack the fact that um, the uh, advisors were saying, hey, Paul, don't go it, don't do it, you're getting arrested. Paul says, no, I'm going anyway. So is that a conflict between the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit telling those people one thing and Paul another? No, he's, he's uh, being truthful. Right? The Holy Spirit is God and is not going to lie. And it, to me, that's a testimony of, of uh, God's consistency. So, and they, the people listened to Paul and said, well, his, his, his response is, yeah, that might have very well happen. That's probably going to happen. But I'm going anyway. So there's my little diversion, which I don't think I, I don't really think I've heard of, out of those 2,000 messages. I don't have heard that. But then again, I'll be honest that out of 2,000 messages, I mean, I probably forgot. I mean, obviously I forgot. I probably forgot what I heard last week. So, and I think that's the importance of the daily chair time. Chair time is probably a registered trademark mark of the Willow Creek Church organization, Bill Hybels. Good group. And uh, some recent headlines that aren't so flattering, but I think I touched on that once before and may have to go back into it again sometime. I, I like the guy, and it's a holy discontent. So, you know, he's a good dude. Good church. I'm, and, it, and here's the thing is I'm kind of glad I don't live near a church like that, it's pretty good, right? Because then I'm like, I can watch it from a distance. It's kind of fun. And I don't have the emotional tie or baggage that goes along with having to defend anything or that goes with it. It's like I'm in Arizona there in Chicago, so whatever. The distance learning. <laughs> I don't know, can you, the birds are good right now. And it's starting to warm up a bit. It's, it's, there's less shade, but there's, there's still enough shade for us to get home. And um, I, I haven't done my reading today. And I'll probably do that from air-conditioned inside because I don't want to sit outside. And if I do a dip, yeah, I'll cool off. But water and MacBook Pros don't go well together. So I'm going to have to stay dry. And uh, what else? Do that. And I, it's 15 minutes in the chair is the trademark. My, my chair time is usually an hour just because I enjoy it so much. And I, I kind of go with the flow. Like, what, what, how much time do I have for? And... What's the other benefits from it? I, it? It's again. I want to do that John Ortberg moment, living in the moment. So it's good for me to get my spirit, the word input, and the the thoughts from Scripture, from Paul, the and be free from others teaching it. So it's it's up to you as the individual to read these things and go through and experience yourself. It's not, I'm not so much teaching the Word of God as I am recommending a practice of reading and let it speak to you. So, so many pastors have said that from the pulpit, but have they really demonstrate how to do it? I mean, it's kind of a mystery, I'd have to admit. People, you know, we all have heard this before, like have a quiet time, you know. I, I like chair time because it's more quiet time is a bit ambiguous and uh, chair time is a little more specific like sit down get get uh, get focused and uh, and by having that discipline and journaling you know you get your thoughts out there and we have a lot of thoughts I've had several thoughts on walking buddy already and I didn't plan any of them out there's a little dog I think his vocal cords were removed so he couldn't bark that's kind of sad but maybe it helps him so they breathe heavy 
So we're coming around full circle. I see an Asian guy. I think he might be Chinese, but he's got a Jerusalem hat on. That's kind of cool. That's the global world we're in. So he's not the same. Morning again. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, there was a Chinese guy. This, this was my funny story with that. It was a walking bud story too. So a Chinese guy's out here, and this is kind of a Forrest Gump thing too, or Michael Ward's version of Forrest Gump. So I'm walking bud, and there's a Chinese guy I see out here once in a while, riding a bicycle sometimes. I don't know where he's coming from. And a few times he stopped me, and he just started, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> We're in Arizona. What does this guy think? That, I, that everybody around here speaks Chinese. <laughs> so I, ca I kept seeing him for a couple of weeks. It's probably about this time of year. Older guy, really funny. Probably, I don't know, 60, 70 years old. And, uh, morning. Good morning. Hey, these guys are excited, huh? <laughs> Look at dogs. Buddy, what's your dog's name? Uh, what? Mini. Mini. Yeah, like Minnie Mouse. Mini Mouse. A girl? What kind of breed is your dog? He's uh, what they call a schnoodle, we found out. Okay. The schnoodle? Yeah. Doesn't that sound cool? It's a miniature schnauzer and poodle. Oh, I love it. Schnoodle. What a cutie pie. His hair's a little long. We'll have to get it cut in a couple weeks. Yeah, for the summer. Get a we, yeah, we had one in, um, <laughs> let's see, what is it, May 1st? So it lasts about two months. And uh, we love the beard, the eyebrows. Yeah. I never, I mean, I never had a dog like that before. Yeah, yeah. It was a rescue dog kind of thing. It's a rescue. Great. Yeah. We think she's got a little Jack Russell in her because her legs are a little bit too long for a dachshund. Well, yeah, it doesn't look like a purebred dachshund, right? It's they got. Come in this color, believe it or not. Oh, dachshunds do? They yeah. Do. They're called um, piebald dapple. Piebald so dapple, okay. Dapples have polka dots and speckles. Okay. Right. So when they mix those together, yeah. This. So I, at first I thought she was, and, but when you look at the legs, they're about twice as high. <laughs> okay. So anyway, yeah, are great. They come in a lot of colors. So I, I haven't seen you walk in Mini for a while. He's new, new acquisition, Mini. No, or? no, I've had her for four years. Oh, four. Okay. I'm kind of randomly out here. It's on my schedule. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you live in this area? Well, yeah. So I mean, I, I've. I'm actually doing a, a Walking the Dog podcast right now. Oh, cute. Oh, <laughs> I just started it this week. But um, I walk them twice a day. Okay. So I get out early in the morning, like now in the summer, of course. Yes. And then I have to go in the dark at night because it's so hot, right? Yeah. But he, he's, his potty routine is great. He doesn't, he poo he doesn't poop until we walk him. Great. So I'm like, okay. Good dog. We, <laughs> <laughs> You're smart. So I'm like, well, if we want to keep that up, we're going to have to keep walking him. And he, uh, we've had him four years. So I'm, a, I'm an engineer, so I'm analytical. So I figured I've walked him. I've probably walked him like 2,000 times. <laughs> he's got about 10,000. Well, no, he's got about 4,000 miles on his body. <laughs> time, time for an oil change. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, yeah. Yeah, buds. What kind of engineer are you? Uh, mechanical. Okay. Yeah. My dad has a mechanical engineering degree. Yeah, we're we're the best. <laughs> That's what he says. Yeah, he was a pilot, so. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. What did he fly? Um, well, he was an Air Force pilot. Uh, Air Force, wow. I should know these. Did he do a fighter like plane or a, Oh, like he that. did a fighter, like yeah. F-15, okay. The C-130, maybe? Maybe. I have it all right The cargo, now. yeah. It's, it's like probably a C-130. There's big props yeah. on it, four engines on yeah, there. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. And then he went and worked for Eastern Airlines for 20, 30 years. We're from Atlanta. Oh, they existed that long? <laughs> I know they got bought out or they had some problems. No, we had um, a, a jerk take over <laughs> on strike for a year and a half. <laughs> and uh, Continental kind of absorbed it. The guy's name was okay. Lorenzo, and he was terrible. Yeah. So yeah. My dad left and moved to Taiwan. Well, actually, he moved to Taiwan. Yeah. 
actually moved to McDonnell Douglas in Long Beach first. Oh, okay. He missed flying, so he moved to Taiwan and helped start uh, Evergreen Airways, EVA. Okay. He's one of the first five pilots. Cool. So uh, he's lived over there ever since. He's yeah. And lives, um, well, he lives in Thailand right now, but they're moving to Taiwan right now. So he's actually lived over there almost longer in, than in Asia. Here. Yeah, he loves it over there. Yeah, pilots get, I'm in aerospace myself, so oh, so pa- pilots, I think, get disrespected. You know, he probably feels like, it. hey, I'm flying this thing, you know, yeah. and then the, the CEO of the company kind of ruins it or yeah. is a jerk, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, one of my favorite books is Don't Let the Jerks Get the Best of You. So okay. it's about 20 years old. Okay. It's older, but it has some good principles in there. Don't let the jerks get the best of you. So, yeah. Yeah. Wingspan, no. Which one is that one? I think it's in Chandler. One of my clients is um, her husband's a pilot, so she is a realtor and she has an aviation relocation uh, network across the okay. nation for aerospace and aviation. So she got in on a project that's bu- being built right now. It's a huge facility being built for aerospace in Chandler. Is it is it the one that's at the airport out there? And yeah. they want is it? I thought I read something about it where it was people could live there, build a home, and then park their airplane oh, there? you're talking about Stellar Air Park. Stellar Air Park? Yeah, yeah this... I have that account, too. Are you familiar with Calabria back here? Calabria, yeah. Uh, so Forte Homes owns most of the lots, and then they've built most of the homes. Okay. And Forte is building all the homes. There's about 14 lots, I think, in Stellar Air Park in Chandler. Okay. And it's for people who own their own little plane, and they have a beautiful home with a little hangar. Well, hopefully, I work for First American Title, so we do all the title insurance on these projects. Okay. So, uh, yeah, a little bit different. Wingspan well, hopefully, some of those people. Like it will be a corporate aerospace okay. building of some sort. Yeah. So, Is it going to be like airplane maintenance and taking care of the planes? I don't know because I didn't go to the meeting with all the details. Yeah. I was more in the beginning of getting her prepped and ready to be the realtor in-house. Yeah, okay. So I didn't go to the actual meeting. So for me, I only kind of know the light overview of what the facility is for. I just know it's being built right now, and it's very much in the early stages. Is it on the Stellar Air Park area? No, Which airport? Um, Chandler Airport or something? She said it's near Chandler in Chandler. Okay. I think they have an airport, Google, too. I don't know if it's so fresh. It's not even in, you know, on a or wing, I think Wingspan, it's yeah. It's called the Wingspan Project. So, yeah. But I know it's in the Southeast Valley. Maybe... On the, it probably borders Chandler Gilbert or yeah, somewhere yeah. over there. It can't be far because she goes to meetings all the time right there. And, and yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's cool. Yeah. Actually, you should check out her Facebook page. What is it? Um, it's, it's called Aviation Relocation. Aviation Relocation. join and it's, it's just people within aerospace and aviation industry and then they share tips or talk about cities in case you ever get relocated for your job. Yeah. It's like a network where people kind of share resources. Okay. Aviation. Relocation. Relocation. Yeah. Relocation. Yeah. And you, you'll just ask to be part of it, and then she'll accept it. Okay. And then okay. go in, and it'll, yeah, give you access to a bunch of good information. All right. Well, I'll see you later. Yeah. Have a nice walk. Yeah, you too. Nice to chat. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye-bye. So, an added bonus. Maybe that was a networking example. Just... Um, didn't know where I was going to go. It's kind of cool. Ask questions, right? That's what I, I learned from networking. And, um, so some of you, if any of you are looking for jobs, I've had that experience. But it, meeting people, ask them questions. By the questions you ask, they can tell what you know already. You don't have to tell people what you know. But we're so insecure so many times. They're like, oh, well, maybe this person can hire me and do something. Yeah. But I think the uh, just people like, if they like you, they will help you. <laughs> so work on being likable, which means try not to talk about yourself. I don't think I talked too much about myself with Minnie's owner. So there you go. Uh, extends the podcast, but you know, hopefully there's value there. It's just me. I mean, I'm, I'm not holding myself up as the standard of anything. It's just everybody... What do they call that? That phrase, you be you. So you be the best you, which is back to Ortberg. He's got a great book called 
the me I want to be. And I think there's also, it goes along with that, a subtitle, something like, be the best you you can be type of thing. And it also fits in with my thoughts of outliers. So all of us are outliers in something. So embrace that, whatever your outlieriness is. And don't ask other people to conform to your gifts, but give it away. Whatever you're gifted in, just give that and encourage everybody. I think they say 70% of the people in the workforce don't like their jobs and hate their jobs. And they're afraid. I think the thing is afraid to do something else because you get some perks and you think you got a good setup. And the way the, the stupid vacation system in the U.S. works is you start out with two weeks and then... After five years, you get three weeks vacation, and Europe does that so much better. Just everybody gets six weeks from the start. And I guess if I was the politician, I would do it maybe by age at least. And say, dude, if you, I mean, this might sound like would lead to more age discrimination, but basically if you're in your 30s, you get at least three weeks minimum. If you're in your 40s, you get four weeks. If you're in your 50s, you get five weeks. Heck, I mean, Europeans are given six weeks vacation when they're in their 20s so it's a little bit of a compromise so that would be wardy's care program wardy care we need vacations oh there's a bunny and uh, dang i thought where my i left off i lost my spiritual point it was romans ephesians he's paul's been in prison on a shipwreck had quite a bunch of experiences so the, the style and the things he thinks about should change from Romans, right? I mean, it's a natural. This is, I don't think that's appreciated too much. People talk about, well, let's, let's remember the context of Paul's writings are the prison letters. Well, that doesn't really explain it too well. I, I, let's, let's look a little deeper and look at the five years, the Felix and the Festus and the shipwreck and the the whole journey, the Malta and the snake biting him and they think he's a god and all this kind of cool stuff. And then he writes Ephesians and he's writing back to people he has a deep relationship, cares about. And I don't know why he writes the subjects he does, but he writes what he does. And I'm not going to try to figure it out too deeply on Ephesians, like what's going on in that church and go to uh, John's book of Revelation and compare that and da 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 it's Paul. He's writing it. He's not consulting with John in Revelations, and he's doing his thing. So I'm going to do my thing and read it for what it says. And we certainly have more information than Paul did when he wrote it. So we can bounce it off what we know. We know enough already. We don't have to have a guy from seminary. We don't even have to have a guy who knows the Greek and does the tenses and explains the tenses and explains the noun. And it's the same word used in John and the same word used in Mark. Oh, my gosh. My gosh. Does that add value? Maybe a little bit, but it comes across so intellectual, so knowledge-based. And... Uh, this is uh, what I guess the pressure's on these guys to come up with some 30 to 45 minute talk to go deep, unpack the scriptures and find and seek out the gems as if there's some hidden message in the Greek language. I'm not, I just don't believe that's the case, people. I mean, for one thing, most of the, it was written, and uh, probably a high percentage of the people couldn't read, so they had to read it out loud. So there you go. And so they're not studying it with a Google and reference books and commentaries. And I mean, all that stuff is was perhaps good for its time, but uh, I don't think. Some of these people are ready to give that up. It's just people get entrenched in what they're comfortable with. And it's change is difficult. And uh, 
the next 500 years can't just be a continuation of the last 500 years of Reformation. That was all about the organized church, and I don't think it's it's going to get better. But to me, it doesn't look like the organized church is getting better. They had 500 years to figure it out, and, and it uh, seems to be really splintered. People are in their groups. Um, they have their agendas. They have their what do you call it? Uh, their security in certain things. So whatever organized religion group you happen to be with, you probably have a pretty good security system built up. And they kind of made that like corporate America with pensions and all these things. So the people aren't free. It's kind of like the golden hand handcuffs. So people get to their 25 years with a with a religious organization and they may have gotten to that point of wisdom but of seeing some fallacies if you will in in the process and they look back on it and they don't they don't really do much unfortunately to call it out because they're five years away or whatever from the retirement, so let's just stay with the status quo. Then we'll retire and, and do whatever you do. And uh, so there you go. Almost home. The sun is up. We're going to wash the paws when we get in the backyard. Get those paws cleaned. But I think that was a really good walk. And I don't know about tonight, buddy. Maybe I'll send you out. No episode tonight, probably. and Just let Cameron give Bud a walk, maybe. Or maybe I'll do it. We'll see. He's a good dog. Air conditioners are rolling. Keeping the house cool. So, I think there might have been some gems in there. I don't remember them. But there you go. Um, oh boy, where are we at? I gotta go into the phone. Something happened. I gotta get here. Hey, we're still recording. Hey, everybody, have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye bye.